We can go whenever you're game. If we have game. Oh, okay. Wow, that was Everybody, I'm Kyle Rizdal. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. It is the 14th of June. Happy Flag Day, everybody. Yes, and I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you for joining us on What Do You Want to Know Wednesday, which is the day when we get to answer listeners' questions. So if you have a question that you'd like us to answer, you can leave us a voicemail at 508-UB-SMART or email us at makemesmart at marketplace.org. First question of the day, JC Bold, go. Hello, this is Nicholas from Austin, Texas. With the changes in the uh, Reddit API pricing model, a lot of third-party app developers are seemingly having to shut down. I'm wondering if you all have any thoughts about, you know, what's going on uh, with this or is it the uh, protest plans uh, with the blackouts of many uh, of the most popular subreddits. Thank you, and uh, thanks for making me smart. Hmm. Thanks for the question. question. It is. Um, Marketplace's Janet Wynn actually reported on this, and you should go and read her story on the website. It's got a really good rundown of what's happening. But here's the short version. The social media site Reddit, which is known for these user-moderated forums, said it's going to start charging for access to its API. API being an application programming interface, which is software that allows other developers and third parties to kind of tap into the data on a given site and use it on their own platforms. So we talked about this when Twitter was basically like, yeah, we're not going to let people Mm -hmm. run their third-party softwares off of us for free anymore. So for much of Reddit's history, third-party developers like a very famous one called Apollo, Sync, have used the free API to create their own apps that can make it easier for some users to access Reddit on mobile devices in particular. And the developer of the Apollo app said that under these new rules that Reddit has for charging for access to its data, it would cost them $20 million a year to keep using it, which they they can't do it and definitely can't do it on short notice. And so they basically were like, yeah, we're shutting down. In response to these changes, the Reddit changes, thousands of these really popular subreddits decided to shut down or go dark for a couple days in protest. It may go on a little bit longer because people weren't thrilled with the uh, email the CEO sent out Mm -hmm. internally about it. Anyway, because they argue that uh, the API should remain free because it's also used for content moderation and research purposes and also the idea that the users are generating the content and so they shouldn't be limited in how they could access it. The protest was so large on Reddit that on Monday it actually crashed the site and because so many forums went offline. Now, I should step back and say there's a couple of reasons why Reddit is now choosing to charge for its API. First of all, Reddit plans to go public later this year and charging for access to its API would diversify its revenue sources, which looks better on balance sheet, which you have to you know, start showing to investors when you're a public company. Mm-hmm. Secondly, Reddit doesn't want companies like OpenAI or these other large language model AI companies using the data on Reddit to train their large language models for free. 
And Twitter is making a similar move because what's been happening is these large language models need language to figure out how to make the predictions of what someone might say next that gets us these, you know, interesting chat GPT responses. So what does it do? It crawls the Internet on these various sites to see how people talk and how people write online and uses that to help feed the algorithm. And so Reddit's like, well, if you're going to use something that's going to make a company money and it's our data, we want to make money off of it. Twitter saying the same thing. Reddit CEO Steve Huffman actually said these new API fees are ultimately targeted at large companies um, and not sort of these smaller startups, but it's, you know, charging everybody. And so it'll be really interesting to see how this falls out because I feel like there have been discussions for years about who owns user-generated content online and who gets to profit off of it. And previously, it had just been like whatever data they can siphon off of you from behaviors, right? Like what you click Mm -hmm. on, what ads you use and Mm -hmm. selling that data. And users, you know, some people are like, well, we should get paid for that data. And companies are like, ha ha, no. But now you have these large language models and there's a specific set of data that you can point to that is a money-making thing and the companies that control that data are like, we're the ones who are going to make money off of this. Yeah, totally. And and just as, as a real life, just money example, forget the data part. I used to use a, a, a Twitter app called TweetBot. Uh, mm-hmm. And I happily paid TweetBot $6 a year. Really loved it. It you know, was across all my devices, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then one day it didn't work. And then the next day it didn't work. And I was like, man, this sucks. And then the third day we all discovered that Twitter had shut down their API because Twitter mm-hmm. said, in addition to all the data stuff and knowing the clicks and all this, Twitter said, why are you why are we letting you pay Tweetbot six dollars a year for all of this when instead, you know, conceivably we could be getting some revenue from you for advertising and all of that? And it all comes down to, in this instance, my instance, consumers and what they're willing to pay. But but this idea that companies are are gonna keep giving this stuff away for free is is zero. It is dead. Not happening anymore. It's over. Yeah. Interesting. You'd pay $6 a year for the tweet bot, but not the $8 a month for Verified. I will, I will not pay 8 bucks a month for the for the check. <laughs> right. That's right. That's yes. Right. Did you see uh, that now, apparently, I was reading in Mashable that you're no, no longer going to be able to send DMs to people who, I guess, either you don't follow or they don't follow you anymore unless you're on the paid version, which oh, makes that's, it that's, effectively that's so useless. But 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 I will still get all kinds of weird spam in my DMs from oh my gosh, you know, so attractive much spam young women trying DMs to right sell now. me things and yeah, totally, totally. See, mine are all about crypto. Air quotes. Oh, are they really? That's so funny. Mine's yeah. mine's all about stock advice. We would yeah, like to partner with you on the stock, or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, mm-hmm. all. Uh, Okay. Next question. Um, This one comes from Bryce in Kansas City, who sent us an email. And Bryce's question is, how is consumer debt measured? They ask is the short answer. (laughs) So the the Federal Reserve and others go out to banks and credit unions and uh, other institutions that make loans and say, how much are you lending out and in what form? Is it credit card debt? Is it mortgage debt? Is it car loans? Is it other kinds of unsecured debt? It is, is it anything? So the Fed actually has a monthly report and the quote is that it includes outstanding credit extended individuals for household, family, and other personal expenditures, excluding real estate secured loans, that is mortgages, right? So that's the main Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York does a bunch of this kind of stuff. They have a quarterly report on household debt and credit that does include mortgage debt, so you can get a bigger picture there. 
Um, it's just they, they go out and they ask. They also, by the way, include student debt. So they get data from the uh, Department of Education. Here's the actual number. Total household debt in the United States. Thank you, Courtney Bergsaker. Increased by nine-tenths of 1% in the first quarter of this year to a grand total of $17.05 trillion, right? So that's everything that's out there. And it's, you know, consumers drive this economy. So the idea that consumers are able to get credit, use credit, sometimes profit off credit, uh, and use credit for their own financial gains, you know, that's that's not a terrible thing. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But, you know, somebody's credit is somebody else's debit. Mm. There you hmm. go. There you go. Yeah. 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 Uh, next question. Also an email. Bill in New Lebanon, New York, wants to know this. When calculating national GDP, gross domestic product, does the federal government try to estimate the amount of work done under the table? Also a good question. Yeah, that is a good one. And the short answer to that one is no, <laughs> it's not included in the GDP because it is under at the table and not necessarily calculated. So to back up a little bit, GDP is gross domestic product. It is the sum total of all goods and services produced for sale in the economy. And you kind of need receipts for that. Mm. And economists... <laughs> you. I mean, you do. Economists use GDP to measure how quickly the economy is growing. And, and half the numbers that we, you know, give out when we're, you know, reporting on various data, it'll be GDP growth or manufacturing growth or, you know, personal expenditures or retail sales or something like that. All of those numbers are different ways of looking at how much stuff is being like bought and sold in this economy, mm -hmm. which eventually is reflected in GDP. OK, it does... GDP is um, figured out by the Bureau of Economic Analysis, the Department of Commerce, and it's estimated by adding up personal spending, business spending, government spending, imports, export, exports. But that work done under the table is part of this underground economy that's not being reported to the government, which is the whole point, and therefore it's not being calculated into the GDP. If you remember a little while back when... Uh, the IRS started cracking down on um, apps like Venmo and Zelle mm -hmm. and Cash App, mm -hmm. saying that if you had more than like $600 in transactions that you had to start, they were going to have to start reporting it to the IRS. That is an attempt to capture some of the business they knew was being done on these apps that wasn't officially being reported to the government for taxes, yes, but also for the better snapshot of the economy, mainly for taxes. Anyway, work... It, also not factored into the GDP is work that is unpaid, such as work performed in yeah. the home that is like every parent taking care of a child or someone taking care of an older relative that's not being compensated for it or people who are volunteering. It's work. It has monetary value, but it's not calculated into the GDP. And so to recap all of that, under the table work not included because it is under the table and unreported. And that makes it super hard to measure because in addition to not knowing necessarily what the service is or how much the service cost, if you think about something like uh, the responsibilities often taken over at home, child care, cleaning, right? In different places, you would have different rates for those things. Child care in one city wouldn't cost the same as child care in another. Cleaning services for a five-bedroom house is different than cleaning services for an apartment. And so those kind of nuances definitely can't get captured in the underground economy because nobody's reporting it. And that said, 
There are attempts by economists to try to figure out the size of the underground economy. And some studies show that the U.S. underground economy may be 11 to 12 percent of GDP, which -hmm. would make it approximately like $2.5 trillion in 2021. So it's huge. It is huge. We should also point out here that um, countries are allowed to include in their gross domestic product whatever they want to include in their gross domestic product, right? There's no international standard for measuring GDP, which is why some European countries include sex workers in gross Mm -hmm. domestic product. They include drugs in gross domestic product, things that obviously are part of the -the under-the-counter economy here count over there. And so there's no apples to apples comparisons, first of all. Um, Mm -hmm. And in in many, many cases, it creates sort of, um, how to put this, uh, disparate um, disparate growth rates and disparate emphasis on various sectors of the economy is, is maybe a good way. Which to is so anyway. funny because we use GDP as if like it's this, you know, universal measuring stick of global mm-hmm. economies and it's just not. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. We are done for today. Kind of a kind of a quick one, I suppose. Uh, back tomorrow. For now, you've got a question about the economy works or politics or anything else uh, that you uh, see out there. You know, let us know. We're at 508 UB Smart, or you can write us at makemesmart at marketplace.org. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. And today's program was engineered so successfully by J.C. Bolt. And Daniel Ramirez <laughs> composed our theme music. Our senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. Bridget Bonner is the director of podcast. Francesca Levy is the executive director of that slice of the Marketplace Empire. As opposed to all of those unsuccessfully engineered programs I work That's on. That's right. That's right. Well, we yeah. don't want to talk about Fails. That. Universal fails. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.